Tenron, and he was probably uh-huh. super quiet. Um, okay. He's a quiet boy. <laughs> he's a soft-spoken Can't lad. Can't relate. <laughs> I am neither quiet nor a boy. <laughs> Best way to start the episode, I'm neither quiet nor a boy. Um, Just in case anyone was curious. <laughs> um, You're no. all welcome. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the clarification. Mm-hmm. I have... Uh, I have everything in order, just how I like to see it. I have your beautiful smiling face in my right-hand corner. I have my story That's at the bottom, me. and I have my recording in the background, and we are juicy. Perfect. All right. I'm so, so juicy. So the first thing, Cannibal Siren, that I wanted to tell you is, I actually, I wanted to have you back, like, a lot sooner, but uh-huh. we got stuck in a couple little series and I started right. doing the math, and I was like, "Oh fuck, Siren might not be back for her quarterly, her quarterly special." And I made sure, I made sure, to end the section with you coming back. So you are you are the end cap of the season. You're coming in. This is gonna be episode uh, 175. Fan fucking tastic! I love it. You've you've come in every. Oh, that that sounds awful. Let's let's uh let's let's. <laughs> you're gonna be like I have awesome? or I have orgasmed every time. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I've, you've, you've I didn't know it was that kind of show. <laughs> <laughs> it has always been that kind of show. So you've you've been around. I would say every every twenty five episodes. I believe you were my twenty fifth episode ever. Mm-hmm. And then ever since that point, I try to have you somewhere in that 25 episode window. And during those times, we've had, um, we had like a three-parter story at one point. We had stories Mm -hmm. that like carried over from one episode to another. Like we always reference your older stories and, and some of your episodes are honestly some of my favorite that I've ever recorded. (laughs) Like, I mean, me too, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. monster fucking will never be the same (laughs) because of you (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm here for i'm actually a political advocate Mm -hmm. and i've come on this show with a hidden except not hidden agenda right and it's to tell everyone that they should all be fucking monsters (laughs) like today so get out there find mothman slap the ass on that juicy statue I support juicy, that. Juicy. I support Thank that. Thank you. And the word of the day is juicy. Um, the word of the day is juicy. What I... You are allowed to say that your episodes are your favorite. You are absolutely oh, allowed. Gonna... <laughs> that bias... That bias is more than allowed on the podcast. Um, it is Leo season. Just I, saying. It just started. Indeed. Just started. 
I am... Get your opulence on. I am ready. So, um, <laughs> I... I... I had two other things I wanted to talk to you about, but I'm going to let you decide what we talk about first. Oh, Would I you rather? <laughs> right. I'm going to give you some options. You like options. <laughs> I so, do. I love options. We're going to we're going to talk personal or we're going to talk uh, podcast. Okay. Which would you rather talk first? You know what? For the opener, let's get let's start with the podcast and then we'll get personal. And then we'll get personal. Just, All right. So podcast-wise, I don't know if I told you this and if if I did, you may feign ignorance and okay. you may give me a live reaction regardless, but I love faking. I <laughs> <laughs> Again, perfect podcast for that. So <laughs> The first thing I wanted to tell you was I found more stories to read alone at night. Ooh. Did I tell you this? Did you now? Did I tell you about stories to read alone at night? I, I don't remember. So I'm going to be completely honest. So on, your, <laughs> on your last episode, I think we finished all of that guy's material. And that's right. the guy. That's the guy who wrote like, uh, you know, the the guy who wakes up in in a dark room with the girl, or the ice skating Ooh. chick online, or the little kid, oh, the God, little kid the who ice finds one, I'm still... the little kid who finds the the doll, Mister Stringy, and just uh, right. you know, it's like evil from her Yo, childhood, Mister Stringy. Um, and then last episode we read. Um, some stories. One was about a guy who sees the devil and it turned out to be like the the priest in the one video. That was a really we, we love that twist. Yes, you that know, one that's like my fucking favorite. I just started The Devil a D &D Perpetuating campaign. himself. Mm -hmm. Yes. Tell I us. actually just started a D D campaign and my character, her name is uh <laughs> her name is Esther. And she's a human uh cleric, but she's like a fake cleric. She's actually a warlock. Who I've built up to be a fucking tank with feats and such. Hell yeah. And um, she's, it's a villain campaign and she's essentially a cult leader with a Georgian accent who believes in uh, female superiority and cleansing the world of the unholy. So I'm basically waging holy war like a fucking televangelist and I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How can you play something so like that and not make those major strats? Oh, you have... No idea. <laughs> I am currently playing an Aarakocra fighter. Love it. And uh, I use the voice of Matt Barry for my character. <laughs> so I'm constantly walking around going, what the hell is that? What, what, what are we doing? Where am I? Shall I, shall I go fuck that person? <laughs> I once uh, in front of an enemy um an enemy told me to give it to them and uh -huh. I and I in character said I'm going to pull out my cock and uh oh, no. and the DM the DM let me the DM was like you do that no. you do I'm that I'm trying to think um so the first thing that Esther did in the campaign in the very first session was uh, go to the church and um, convince the only priest that they had in the struggling town that uh, he needed to go and wage holy war 
on the necromancers about 50 miles away by himself and leave her in charge of the church because she'd take very good care of the people. And the second he left, she immediately rifled through the offering box and took everything they had. Beautiful. And then took over, like, as the, you know, parish. She's like, I'm try- I feel like I can't do her voice if I'm thinking about it. Hold on. She's like, well, I do see that you've been working awful hard in here for our Lord and Savior. And I just want you to know that he sees what you're doing and you will be rewarded for the bloodshed of the unholy. <laughs> I love she it. Ha- she has, uh, she, the, so we started the campaign and you had to have a reason that you were kicked out of the last town she was in. <laughs> so she had been taking the offerings that she had been collecting from her religion. I'm doing finger quotes for uh-huh. the viewers yes, yes. slash listeners. Doesn't I guess they're over. listeners. They're not viewing. <laughs> and, um. She had built herself a mansion and had uh, seven husbands, mm-hmm. all under all under the age of thirty. She's in her late fifties. Perfect. Um, and and uh, she got busted for using the off the uh, you know offerings for personal gain. But to her, since she's the mouthpiece of God, everything that she does is also what God wants. Right. It's so she books. was booted out of the town, and she's absolutely devastated about it. Oof. <laughs> she must be missing those hubbies. Sort of. She doesn't remember their names. (laughs) (laughs) But they did things for me and I miss them. Exactly. Um, Such nice young man. You know, what what is religion good for other than starting wars with people you don't know? It's true. (laughs) Slash judging people you don't know. (laughs) Slash judging people you don't know. Yeah. If not trying to kill them immediately. And then starting wars with them. Right. 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 Killing them later. Right. I'm glad. I'm glad that was, that was... (laughs) eventually discovered uh so (laughs) what what is interesting about finding more of the stories to read alone at night specifically related to you is i believe a couple of them are actually like sequels to stories we've read before now now total disclosure both for yourself and for everyone listening we are not reading stories to read alone at night on this episode this is just Not this time this is just news that i wanted to share with cannibal siren uh the next time i saw her uh because i recently stumbled upon this guy's new website and it links back to the previous where we did read all of that material we finished that all on your last episode so yeah. having finished all of stories to read alone at night since like your first episode to your very last episode which would be i believe like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Minimally, like, let's actually get the number. I believe... I can't count. No, no, no. I have I have <laughs> these things written down. Oh, thank ba, God. Ba, 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 ba. So, that would have been your ninth episode. Hey, congrats. This is your tenth episode. You've just reached... Ooh. You've reached double digits. It's like an anniversary. It is like an anniversary. We've been doing this Yay. for close to four years. Congratulations. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Enthusiasm. Is, are we like elderly now? Is that it? <sighs> I think we're I'm now. ready to die. I mean, yes, is that that is indeed our generation's state of mind. <laughs> Am I old enough? I, how, you're like what? 50? Tall enough to ride? Yeah, I'm, I'm like right. 49. 
49, excuse me. Yeah, so since I am the fresh young age of uh, 82, previously, I think my time... Previously said 82. Yeah, 82. I think my time is up My anyway, time has come. So, so mm-hmm. uh, now, that was that was the fun podcast twist that I wanted to bring to the table, and I'm glad we started no. talking D&D, because D&D is always fun, and I constantly tell people that, like, I'm, I'm glad that there's such a resurgence... You know, like, I, par- I partially thank Stranger Things for, like, bringing it back yes. into the public spectrum. Oh, but, like, absolutely. I also want to thank all the nerds out there who are genuinely giving it, like, a fresh go. Like, people who have never right. played before, people who, who don't even know what they're doing, but are being enthusiastic about the product. Like, mm-hmm. as long as you stick to it, I think what I what I find most detrimental to a D&D group and this is just speaking from experience, are the people who can only come around for, like, three or four weeks and then just fall off the face of the fucking planet. So, exactly. like, commi- commitment, unfortunately, being our generation's, like, weakness, is something right. that you need for Dungeons & Dragons, and you very specifically mm-hmm. need that for Dungeons & Dragons, because you need to have at least one day a week to just tell people, like, I'm good. Yep. And, you know, in my entire history of D&D over the last, I'd say, three or four years, um, pretty much the same time I've played, uh, I've been doing the podcast, I've been playing D&D, um, mm. I can tell myself that I've only, like, I've only really missed, like, three or four sessions over the last, like, once or twice a year, you know? Wow. And it's and it's what for really it like? serious things. And, you <laughs> Honestly, like, I put D&D above a lot of things in my life because I I enjoy it and I know that it is a team experience and a team value. So you Mm. do have to have that level of commitment to do it. And I know know that there were people in quarantine, like, let's go back a couple months. I know that there were people in quarantine who specifically picked up D&D to do Mm -hmm. over Skype, over Zoom, over Discord, what have you, Mm -hmm. simply because they didn't have anything better to do. And now, yep, exactly. now I went from playing in person with a group to playing online on Roll20 and uh, right. D&D Beyond with a completely different group with people who live in Texas or upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um, people I don't know in, in like real life, you know, like I've, right. I've gotten out there and I've played with random people. So let me tell you. If you were out there and you were saying, but I don't have friends to play D&D with, literally look up groups online. As long as you have a computer that has the ability to transmit your voice, you know, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't even need a webcam. You really don't even need it. Um, No. I hop on Discord onto a voice channel with like three other Mm -hmm. guys and that's how we do it because we're all looking at Roll20 and our voices are just in the background. So, I really can't recommend it enough because, like, right. I moved, you know, from my hometown somewhere else. So I started playing D&D when I was, like, 16 in high school. And I never stopped. Good. <laughs> and so most of my friends who I played D- play D&D with all still live, like, either back, you know, back home on the farm or, like, you know, in various places over the country. Because when you're an adult, everyone you love leaves you. So it's, like, <laughs> the best thing ever. So I here, been here. Doing, I mean... <laughs> We've been doing Roll20 for years, and I awesome. I cannot recommend it enough. I did recently discover D&D Beyond, and another thing that I cannot recommend enough. I absolutely love it. And it's so good, especially, like, I'm fucking terrible at building characters. I'm just not good it at it. It makes it so I'm easy. Like, 
It I really it makes does. It, so it makes it so easy. So Character I'm building not is I've... the most daunting. It really is the most daunting so. part of of Dungeons and Dragons because no one genuinely playing a game nowadays has like yeah. has the ability to really write down all of the updates with their character from level to right. level. Like it makes it like so I've easy. done it by hand and by paper when I've really cared, but like as time has gone on, like I've run out of time. And mm -hmm. I tend to level up at the end of a session. Same. So it's like, I'll forget going into my next session that I should have had an extra level in there. But right. by logging in, this is an ad for D&D Beyond. If I know, right? I promise Beyond, I'm not being paid. <laughs> what they do is you literally just click, like, gain a level, and it tells you, mm -hmm. like, what you get. You add your health, you add your feet or your stats, you you add whatever advanced abilities or character features that you get for that new level and then it automatically compiles onto your character sheet it's mm -hmm. just so it's so convenient and you could export your character sheet as a pdf it's so nice to just have it in the background while i'm playing roll 20 and just be able to acknowledge it and make sure everything is right Exactly. So. And plus, I just, I, D&D &D is so fucking fun. Yeah. And it's so creative and it's such a great bonding experience. Like, I just, I'm so pro D&D. &D. It's not even funny. I just want everyone to play it. I've played with my parents before. That's Can't awesome. recommend it enough. <laughs> that's awesome. My I, dad doesn't know I what's wish. going on, but he's got the spirit. You know? <laughs> that's, that's all you need. Like, like mm -hmm, this exactly. product, like, like recording for the show. All you need to play D&D &D is enthusiasm because you're Agreed. usually you're usually paired or in a group with people who all tend to know what they're doing. So if you come into the product excited and and ready mm -hmm. to learn, ready to do something right. interesting, ready to do something creative, then you'll end up having a good time. I think ultimately what what brings down D&D &D other than like uh, people who don't like commit enough or, or bring their schedule are just the people who are looking to have like an ego trip. I oh try to, I God. try to distance don't even myself. Get me fucking started. I try to distance <laughs> myself from people who are doing like ego trip based plays because it, it just seems to be like, no matter what room we walk into, it's just always like, I want to I want to immediately kill someone in that room and it's just like no no you no you don't like calm down I'm sorry bit. Matthew there's no main character in D&D &D. you're going to have to get over it okay I can't fucking stand that shit I've dealt with it so many times it's like it drives me crazy that and a fucking rules lawyer if you're a rules lawyer fuck you well offense. well that's that's another thing I've I've actually had to like get in the middle of a discussion of before because right. I'm the type of person who believes that D and D is what you make it. And the rules yes. are more of a suggestion. Um, Amen. At the end of the day, the DM is the one who decides how the game is mm -hmm. played. So if mm -hmm. you have someone like a rules lawyer, who's at the table saying that doesn't work that way, but the DM is saying you're right but let's say blank blank you know for some reason it works this time you know that is essentially the dm giving the character the benefit of the doubt and letting that action happen despite the fact right. that the rules you know quote unquote may literally function a different way i'm not going to say fuck dnd cool. lawyers <laughs> i'm not going to say fuck dnd lawyers 
but that's just because I think the rules are important for everyone to learn. I don't necessarily think rules are the way to play the game. Right. Yeah, see, I, I, I said what I said. You, I'm going to double you, down. You're doubling <laughs> down on fuck rule lawyers. Have, you, yeah, have granted, you just had like, bad experiences with people who are like, no, no, it doesn't, no, look here, yeah. it doesn't work that way. They're like, actually, carry weight. And I'm like, bro, I'm not playing fucking Skyrim. Like, go home. There's a reason you don't have a girlfriend and never will. Oof. Like, I'm tired. I'm not <laughs> I'm not doing it. It's like, I mean, granted, I'm not going to be, like, you know, here for copious rule violations. I get it. The rules exist for a reason. I definitely think familiarity with the rules is a good thing. I think that being married to them or having your dick firmly inside the rules may not be the best way to go. <laughs> I've I've believe it or not I'm not going to use their names because they're on the show but I've actually I've actually lost people in D&D groups over that exact argument before. I'm I'm going to go ahead and say that one or two people <laughs> on this show are rules lawyers as well as other people on this show are DMs and mm, we've I am also a DM. I've done it before. You've DM'd. I'm very Yes, okay. I do. You have the experience. <laughs> and I... Yes, and I, I'm very, I guess we're not, we wouldn't, <sighs> amazingly, all people on the show are individual people with r- different experiences. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Ultimately, like, it, it just, it depends on what type of experience you're trying to get out of your D&D session, because I have. It's very true. I have people who are like they're literally looking up in the book for everything they want to do and they're right. they're literally they're painting by numbers because they they believe that it's the purest way to illustrate their character maybe oh, you're making me feel compassion Stop. <laughs> okay 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 fuck them no i'm kidding <laughs> No, you're you're right though. It's like you are right. I'm fine. I'll I'll dial it back a little. And I, I will definitely little. agree that only like, a little. People... I do I do agree with your stance. I'm just saying a little bit. No. No, you're you're right though. It's like there's I also definitely think that there are like some really beautiful parts of the rules that will like by reading them will allow you to like construct a kind of action that I de- I probably wouldn't have thought of. You know what I mean? Right. Like without the rules, because the, it's just like, oh shit, DM like I can is do not that. Perfect. The DM, no. the DM experience is almost as I would say, like group constructed. Um, Very. As, as as the people who are playing individually speaking, like when as we an extremely imperfect person, I can confirm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know not... all of the rules. There are times mm-hmm. where I'm I'm playing even now. You know, where I think, um, you know, I'm starting to branch out into new classes and Mm -hmm. I'm starting to multi-class and shit. And there are things that while I'm playing, someone is like, no, you get to do this too. And I'm like, what? And they're like, well, you're, you're this level in this class. This is a, this is an ability or feat that you have. If you don't have it written down, you should write it down because this is going to help you a lot. And and there are those right. types of people who I wouldn't necessarily call rules lawyers, but they're definitely, like, looking out for everyone in the group. I tend to call them, like, 
my like D and D encyclopedias, you know. Yeah, like, see, they're, that's they're the like people sweet, in the though. group that you like. Yeah. You ask questions and you and mm-hmm. you make sure your character is functioning a certain mm-hmm. way because you do kind of need to be a D and D lawyer, like a rules lawyer, to understand. Right. All of I those mean, rules, I... all of those functions, all of those characters' classes and abilities. Definitely, because I mean, I do have to say, when I was DMing Pathfinder for the first time, Oof. I had a rules lawyer in my group, and he could not. Ha- I, it's I like the encyclopedia term better though, because rules lawyer immediately elicits like a negative response from me. But like encyclopedia is very cute and endearing. Right. I'm like, yeah, that's great. You know shit. Fuck yeah, I can't read. You know, like <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but no, he, I agree with that. He literally could not. They they could not have been more helpful. Like, in that particular case, because I'd never used that system before, and Pathfinder is a little bit comp- more complicated, I think, than some of the other systems I've Pathfinder used. was actually my um, first back in back in high school. Right. I started with 3.5, I think. I think. 3.5 or... F- yeah, I think so. I can- God, it's been so fucking long, I can't even remember. <laughs> but yeah, I. He, but I do have to say, they were extremely helpful. And in that moment, I was very grateful for their intense knowledge. Because it's just like, especially when you're preparing for something, I find it very difficult to sit down and read rules from back to front. So it is helpful to have people who've done that, especially as resources. I think to me, I also distinguish like a difference between someone who's very resourceful and very helpful and very like, no, like I know this and this is good. And, you know, maybe a little bit of like curbing, you know, the more wild attempts. <laughs> but um, right. then there's also, you know, I, it's like the difference between a helpful person and a know-it-all, right? That is exactly what I was going to say is it's the difference of someone who's saying, but DM, but DM, there's this versus versus someone who's saying, well, you know, my dude, like this is you can also do this. You can also have this, you know. Um, exactly it's like that fucking like gordon ramsay meme where he's like fuck you and then the other one where he's like oh no my dear i love you it's right. okay like, <laughs> nothing wrong exactly. there's nothing wrong look at you your, your beautiful little child look and then the other one's like, <laughs> what fuck are off. you take An off your fucking sandwich. apron <laughs> fuck off no chef no please fuck out of here it's great <laughs> it's good stuff I like your um, British accent. <laughs> well, it's it's from watching so many Gordon Ramsay loses his shit videos. Um, That's true. Those are very good. So now let's let's shift gears into some personal, personal. slash juicy slash another word we're going to be using on the episode a lot, which is something I said was saucy. <laughs> saucy. So um, saucy. So, I just want to clear the air, um, because I recently had a listener approach me, and uh, mm-hmm. she she said the following. Okay. Captain Death, your your conversations with Cannibal Siren and your camaraderie and your your sometimes. Uh, acute flirtation leads leads me to believe that you guys have slept together, and I oh, want God. I want to immediate <laughs> see. I love your immediate reaction because oh, because Lord. I immediately turned to this person and said, "Nope, <laughs> nope, never been there." 
So uh, l- let's squash those rumors. I have, I have no. not partaken cannibal sirens, a <laughs> <laughs> uh, deep and uh, longing song that lures the men to the depths of the oceans to be fed upon. <laughs> I was about to say you'd be dead, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> In character, no. And just also from my end, I will too say that I have not jumped aboard the captain's ship, if you will, <laughs> in case you needed a double confirmation. So, so <laughs> Yo, why- wouldn't have been fucking funny if I was like, no, actually, they're right. <laughs> uh, to, to quote Billy Wilkinson, uh, to quote Billy fucking Wilkinson, um, yeah, Captain Death gives me his bone every night. So, uh, <laughs> we. Oh, I, I just wanted to say, because it, it was a very funny conversation. So, I was. <laughs> Sorry. I had introduced someone completely new who doesn't even really listen to podcasts um, right. to my show. And I, I pretty much just presented it. I was like if you like shitty little stories and you like people who kind of make fun of them or add their own commentary, it's very much like a, um, what we do is very much like a mystery science theater for reading. And, um, you know, those types of attitudes and those types of people and performances. And, you know, we'll, we'll give the, the material a wide breadth if we're like real into it, you know, we'll we'll get into those characters, we'll get into those discussions, mm-hmm. we'll actually theoretically talk about the things that are taking place in the story. Unless the story exactly. is a joke, in which case we will <laughs> shit on it and just be assholes the entire time. Now, oh, the, yeah. the spectrum That's what we're best at. the spectrum of the podcast <laughs> is very wide. We go both ways um many many times. Um, even in the same story, we may start off in one direction and end up in another simply mm-hmm. because of the progression of the story. Um, exactly. so the way this conversation started was, um, this person got to, I think like episode 16 and they were like, Jesus Christ, are there no women on this podcast? And I said, <laughs> actually there are two. And I said, uh, I said, cannibal sirens coming up on you quick. You're, you're going to like her episodes. She's around, like, every 25. Um, and she immediately, like, she's now on episode, like, 80-something, you know, in as, wow. short, in as short as a couple uh, months. And, um, Fuck yeah, good for her. Well, apparently all she does at work is just, like, start an episode and let it go, and then when it's over, she just starts another one. She works, like, a full 10-hour shift in one day. Mm-hmm. So she's gotten through right. a, a chunk of the material. And excuse me, we, I, I said like, there are two women on the podcast, you know, Cannibal Siren was the first, Alley Cat was the second. Alley Cat, um, you know, doesn't so much come onto the show anymore, but, uh, Cannibal Siren comes on, you know, whenever I could get her, whenever I could reel her in. So, uh, you know, (laughs) you, you are going to enjoy her episodes. And I kind of, I put it that way. And she said, as the show goes on our our relationship on our episodes get more and more like i don't i don't know if the word was flirtatious or just like uh enthusiastic or friendly like she said you guys are like right. you guys are really friendly near near the uh 
like I I would say like the third or fourth episode that that you've been on and I I looked at her and I was just like I was like no that's just how we are we're just like really we're really <laughs> close we're really friendly we like to joke about the same shit and I was like nah for real like Cannibal Siren has been with the same partner for for years mm-hmm. and I we just had our eighth anniversary listener right so it's like <laughs> yeah so it's like. We we are just really enthusiastic about what we do here. We're really good friends, mm-hmm. and we just have a good time together. And those types of relationships I... are allowed to exist, okay? You don't need <laughs> exactly. to insert yourself. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes men and women can be just friends. Yep. <laughs> but also, like... You know, I mean, we're just, I also think that, you know, as the years have gone on, I also think we have gotten closer, you know? Like, I would right. say I'm closer to you now than I was even when we were in college together. Like, And it's like, there, I think there that were that's so also many a natural progression. Where we did sit, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we have long talks in person, but like, you know, yeah. as the years go on and as we, you know, we continue down this uh, strange journey uh, called life, I think, you yes. know... Uh, I tell people all the time that the podcast is in my own way of, uh, you know, holding on to people and kind of telling them that Mm -hmm. they're important to me and that uh, what we do here is both uh, creative, productive, but also like an activity to share with friends. And like, uh, I, I know for a fact, and as sad as it is to say... I know for a fact that if I didn't have some of the people on this show, that it would be very mm-hmm. hard to see those people, you know, as constantly as I do. I, I want to make it, I want to make it no fucking surprise to say that, um, someone like Django Phillips, who's been on like the most episodes out of anyone on this show, I believe he's been on like 26 or 27 episodes. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> he has a very tough schedule to work with i don't see him very often outside of recording and i know that if this show did not exist i would see him less and it's just Mm -hmm. he commits to the product and he shows up for you know two hours when i ask him to simply because he likes doing the show so you know like yeah yes there are friendships that have grown stronger because of the product, because of the show, and there are friendships that have noticeably gone weaker because of the show and because of being around me more. So it really depends on whether or not you miss me and you want to do this with me, or if you're sick of my shit and you don't want to be around anymore. It doesn't matter. I love all of my friends. I love everyone who I do this show with, and I am always thankful right. to have someone like Cannibal Siren to do this product with. Oh, see, I'm like, I'm just feeling a very intense surge of affection for you. Wow. <laughs> I've never felt this feeling before. <laughs> ha ha. So, <laughs> I love it. No, I, <laughs> no, I really, I really genuinely enjoy doing this. And like, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to say this without like coming off kind of like a, a fucking cunt. So I think I'm just going to like go I would for say it, do you it. Know? This okay, is the I'm perfect place to just do that. <laughs> Yeah, so I have, I'm not going to lie, I have a lot of friends. 
Yeah. I, I'm a very like outgoing person. I'm very like personable and energetic and I really fucking enjoy other people. Yes. Like the whole, I'm, I'm a thousand percent an extrovert. I'm like, if you're into Zodiac, I'm a fucking Libra. If you want to know my big three, I'm a Leo, I'm a Libra with a Leo moon and a Sag rising. I'm like, I'm ready to go. Like I, (laughs) and it's like my relationships with other people tend to either be very like intense or very like casual. There's really not an in between for me. Mm-hmm. It's like we're either casual or we're intense. So I definitely can like come off like this. And I've had this like problem in the past where people think I'm coming off as being like very flirtatious or something. Sure. And I'm really not trying to be. I'm just a very you're like very enthusiastic. Person. Right. You're very passionate. Exactly. You're very true to yourself when it comes <laughs> when it comes to things you you care about i think it's it's evident exactly. and that was something i tried and i tried to ex, you know express to this person as well exactly and it's like and so like i can see where they're coming from i get it i do but i promise like i just i really fucking love my friends man like I and that. i really i have a lot of and i have a lot of love for my colleague comrade friend captain death here because <laughs> out of even though I, I would say I have a really solid friend group, I really don't talk to very many people from college anymore. Like, you're literally one of three people that I still talk to. And that's and it's so weird. because I enjoy you so fucking much. You I know what I mean? It. And so it's like, <laughs> you know, no homo, bro. <laughs> no, I, I think ultimately, like, so so back when this started, and I'm and I'm sorry to, like, kind of you know make the viewers go down this road with me like we're we're literally going back to like the first like 40 episodes back when this started yeah. i tried getting a lot of my college friends like onto this mm-hmm. show and like here we are like four years later guess how many college friends i've had on the show fucking two and you you mm-hmm. are one of them because back <laughs> i would say back like three or four years ago i put out the feelers to like five or six different people and i was like i was like just listen to it and give me your opinion and if you're into it like get on it come on to the show with me like my my tattoo artist like he's even listened to Mm -hmm. a couple episodes my the first friend i made in college like he is so good for this product but he's never been on and it's simply because he just lives like in center city philly and i never catch him um right and it's like much like D and D, you just need. I need some time. I need. I need people who are enthusiastic and can commit to the product. Because if you just kind of like listen to a couple episodes and you're like, yeah, I could do that if you want me to, then like, you know, it's just it's gonna Not fall like, wayside. Yeah, no. It's gonna fall wayside yeah. because like when I text you and I'm like, hey, do you want to record? Your reaction is like, as long as I'm free, I'm so fucking down, and I am like. <laughs> I'm always I'm always into that because you're enthusiastic I, about the product. It's I am. I really I really fucking enjoy doing this. It's like I just I don't know. I really like it. We are and storytellers. I mean, I, it's true. I was in the storytelling club when I was in middle school. Beautiful. It was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. You hold on to that. I could tell by the way you said it. <laughs> Listen, you know what? I is that the best? I don't know if that's the best thing to hold on to because all of us were fucking nerds. But I like I don't know. 
It's like one of, there are some, you know how sometimes you tell people things about yourself in the past and they're like, yeah, duh. Like that doesn't fucking surprise me at all. But right. then there are other things where people are like, oh, wow. That's, what? That's a, are you that's, serious? That's really interesting. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, <laughs> I was in the storytelling club, but I, I was also on my school's homecoming court. But the storytelling club is more important. I guess. Absolutely more important in this context. <laughs> Oh, anyway. Uh, but yeah. So anyways, to put all that in the nutshell, no, thank you, though. Flattered, but no. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, my, my, my real, my true testament is that, like, I'm glad that, that someone, I'm genuinely glad that someone thought that we were so friendly that we had boned at some point, but really... <laughs> But really, the truth is, we have only ever been, like, friends, and this is just how we talk mm-hmm. to one another. So if, if you have, so if you have, like, friends who are, you know, the opposite sex or, or what have you, that, you know, someone else, like, like, I once went on vacation with frowns and everyone thought we were gay together. And, wow. and I'm, I, I like that couple. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna like shoot that down at all because we do love each other. He's like, he's like my brother. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's my best friend, you know, like he, he has been there for me so much and we just act like idiots when we're together and I'm sure some uh. waiter, like, came and gave us bread and then walked away and said, wow, those dudes are just gay. <laughs> when <So> really, <laughs> when, right, those guys, those guys are And it's like, you're right, it's just stuff. platonic. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then that's where I'll be like, no, 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 no butt stuff. But I, I do love him. So no. it's, it's just, it's one we, of those things. We are in love. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's funny, too, because I feel like... I, I don't remember if you've actually met my person. I don't think you've met my partner. I haven't. Even after being, you haven't. I yeah, have it's just not. it's never really worked out. And it's anytime funny because I've you guys been around, really fucking get along. <laughs> anytime I've been around, you've been like, no, they're at class. No, they're at work. No, they're just yep. they're just not mm-hmm. here right now. And it's like it's like all right. <laughs> well, I came here for and you, it's funny so it's like I, I guess I guess it's not necessarily a loss, but you know. I know y'all are gonna think I'm making him up, but I promise, real person. Swear to God, there is a real. It's not person. my girlfriend who lives in Canada. They exist. Yeah. <laughs> they exist. I fucking promise. I but want. Yeah, you guys would actually really get along, I think, too. So hopefully, after well, all we this get along, so no shit. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. We get along. So if he can handle you, he can handle me. So. Oh my God! Yeah, and honestly, I just. <sighs> feel bad for him (laughs) you tell me that pretty frequently um yeah it's like you know i'm a fun person to be friends with not just so sure i'm a fun person to date (laughs) (laughs) and then here's where we do the sympathetic claps for cannibal siren's partner (laughs) poor guy congrats congrats so we've a great time to segue i think i think no it's the perfect time it is the perfect yeah. time to segue because when I gave Cannibal Siren likes options, people. She likes to have the palette spread in front of her. And I literally mm-hmm. gave so I'm her bisexual. Right. <laughs> that is the reason why. <laughs> so I I I put out the spread and I showed her all of the 
uh, single episodes, all the double episodes, anything that was like one part or two parts. And I did nothing but show her the titles, and she very much so picked uh, a one very specific story. And um, the twist in this story is that it's actually about a gay couple. It's about two men. But the title is, That Wasn't My Husband Who Slept Next to Me Last Night. And it's a, it's a Reddit no-sleep story. <laughs> no, the idea of sharing a bed with a complete stranger um, is, is terrifying, let alone the whole doppelganger situation of thinking yeah, that's like that what it's we talked someone about. you know, but it really isn't. Mm-hmm. That's what we talked about with the last, uh, you know, the fucking not skinwalker bullshit, whatever the fuck that was. Whatever the fuck. Hate it. <laughs> love it. Also hate it. Also love it. Also hate it. So, um, yes. that wasn't my husband who slept next to me last night. Um, this is from Reddit No Sleep. I, I have had this story for a little while. I think the only thing that pulled me to it was the idea of, um, I almost had this idea of like an older couple like an older woman and an older man Mm -hmm. and i wanted to see how like almost how we would get uh, a a fun context off of like a paranoid old lady being like something happened to my husband you know like i always love those like like you said skinwalker like invasion of the body snatcher type of shit like i'm always into that so i i jumped into it getting that feel but as we looked into it it really is about two gay homosexual men and i (laughs) i am not like gonna not read this with you just because it's about two guys like you and i are, are still gonna read this story but it is interesting that we have like a homosexual narrative i think this might be one of the first on the show and i'm not talking like a predatory narrative because we can get into pen pal being like a homosexual narrative but that's like another fucking story that's about like an old a, a very much older man lusting for a very much younger child and let's not get into those feelings yeah you know what i without getting way too political and feminist, I think that I will refrain from calling that a tale of gay love. (laughs) (laughs) Known for the centuries. Even though that shouldn't be fucking political to say, but here we are. Yeah, it's, I think it'll be good to get this in here too, because I talk a lot about how, like, I mean, on one hand, you know, I talk a lot about wanting more, like, you know, gay narratives as, like, a queer person myself and, like, all that good stuff. I also talk a lot about how gay narratives never have a happy ending. So, oh, which they don't. So you have expectations so, yeah. for this episode. You have, you I have do. like I have context. <laughs> oh man, I do. I'm ready. Yes, because um, there's <laughs> what's it called? It's so the it's actual TV tropes, right? It's called right. barrier gays. So oh. the idea is that you can have you, you can have a gay person, you can have a gay couple, they can have a delightful love story, and then at the end, one or both of them dies, or something horrific happens. Oh, no. Because I think the history is that back in the day of, like, you know, dime store novels and such, the only way to get gay literature on the shelves was to end it in tragedy, to kind of, you know, tell the story of, like, oh, sin or whatever. But we never really got out of that. 
So if you, you know, look back on a lot of, that's why people are getting super excited now about different, like, narratives and things like that. But it's also why people get really fucking pissed when things end badly. Granted, in this case, it's a horror story. So I, I'm going to go in, you know, with a grain of salt. Those are often not happy at the end. <laughs> right. As one might expect. But, um, yeah, it's definitely, I just wanted to, like, address that. Because I didn't realize that it was going to be about... Um, two men when I first picked it, which of course goes to show, you know, blah, assumptions, uh, you know, <laughs> which we, makes me bad. I, I don't think but. that, I don't think it matters as much. Um, really, I don't, um, I think there were, there were many stories in the past where relationship wise, we could have taken, um, even, even in the, one of the more recent episodes, um, where you can take like the, the gender, you know, the sex of the mm -hmm. person and make it whatever. And the story would still work, you know, like one, uh, right. I, I, I had a newbie on, on an episode. Um, his name is glitch blob. He and I read a story about, um, a, a woman home alone who just gets strange phone calls, you know, a very much like when a stranger Oof. calls type of situation. Yeah. And, um, we joked that the, it could have just been a gay couple, like the guy who comes home and doesn't believe uh, his partner, you know, that that context mm -hmm. nowadays can be whatever. It doesn't have to be, you know, the young, weak, you like stereotypical, like babysitter type. Yeah. Who like picks up the phone Final and doesn't girl. know what's going on. Right. Um, yeah. And, you no. know, the, the twist I, in I the story like... even even elicits it kind of going against mm -hmm. that narrative a little bit. So mm -hmm. uh, I do recommend that exactly. episode if people haven't listened. Definitely. And I know, like, for me and most, because, like, let's be real, like, most most people, you know, in the community, most of their friends are also in the community, which is true for right. me. And everyone I know, like, most of us don't even want, like... Like, we don't want stories to be about how gay we are. Like, don't get me wrong. Everyone likes to talk about that. Right. But, <laughs> but that's, some, but it's that's, also that's like, your you know, goss. You know, that's not, that's not your exactly. life. Exactly. And that's why I like, I'm hoping, I'm really excited for this, honestly, because even if it ends badly and everything, like, you know, I did think it was important to mention. That could be more of a horror trope, stereotype than it, than it can be like a exactly. gay love stereotype. And even exactly and even if it ends like badly it'll be cool to like just read a story you know what i mean where the people happen to be gay it's not about them being gay you know what i mean yeah that's what i'm hoping for at least because i just i prefer that it's like i'd rather them just be there because that's how we are in real life we're just here we're just here you know, we're, we're all we're like, just normal people you know it, it exactly who you end up loving and who you end up sleeping with can often be two completely <laughs> different things and I, and I don't Very really think so. it matters who you do, like, in the context of this story, end up being in bed with, you know, like, be, who exactly. you end up sleeping next to every night. So, you know. Unless it's your husband, but not. Unless, it's, <laughs> unless you think it's your husband and it turns out to not be your husband. I do not because think, I think that's that a was universally bad experience. <laughs> that could. Yeah, exactly. Because it is secretly uh, a wolf man that you will have Yo. to monster fuck back into humanity. <laughs> oh no. That's the, that's the story. Um, <laughs> oh well. I guess I'll get started. <laughs> I was going to ask do you want oh, no. do you want to start reading or do you want to Sure. Do you want to take first part? Okay. So this Yeah, let's get fucking going. This is 
from Reddit No Sleep, and the story is called, That Wasn't My Husband Who Slept Next to Me Last Night. Okay. My name is Peter Tillman, and I'm terrified. I am a physicist here in Toronto and teach at one of the best universities in Canada. I've had a very successful career and have been offered tenure, which I'm still debating. I was very lucky to be born into a wealthy family and met the man of my dreams about eight years ago in my early 20s. We've been married for approximately five years and he's my everything. He makes me laugh, he makes me smile, he sometimes makes me cry. Who doesn't have a story like that about their partner? And he's my partner in crime. The man that came home to me yesterday is not my husband and I have no idea what's going on. Christopher, my husband, left for a business trip five days ago. He's a patent lawyer and occasionally has to travel for work. He left Pearson International Airport and called me when he landed at Wine... Uh, please forgive me. Wine Vienna's main. <laughs> Vienna's main airport. Please forgive my profound Americanness. Nah, let, let him have it. <laughs> Said you and every other American. Right. I have a bit of separation anxiety when it comes to being away from him, and he has no problem catering to this. He called me after he got through customs and when he got to the hotel. Nothing long, just a, hey honey, I'm here kind of call. We always preferred phone calls since we texted with everyone else and decided the calling would be our thing. It's cute. It is cute. So far, I, I about, agree with the narrative. Yeah, so far I'm down. I'm right. nervous. But, like, nervous because doppelganger. Right. <laughs> I went about the last four days as I usually would doing chores, teaching the couple summer courses that I've been unfortunately assigned to mood, and picking out new colors for the kitchen. His mom is footing the bill for renovation, so why not? It's her anniversary present to us. What the fuck? What a nice mom. <laughs> and rich. Yesterday, Christopher was scheduled to fly back to Toronto. He called me from Vienna after he got into the lounge at the airport and told me that he was super tired and he was going to pass out on the plane. I was happy that he was finally going to get some rest after what sounded like an atrociously busy trip. He works so hard. His flight was scheduled to arrive at 11 p.m. and I had an early class to teach today, so I decided to make dinner and leave it in the fridge for him. Then curl up with the poorly written physics textbook that I was editing for a friend. <laughs> Damn, shade your fucking friend. <laughs> I realized that 11 p.m. had come and gone and I didn't get word from Christopher, but I just assumed that his flight was delayed. He had a layover in London at Heathrow Airport and I know that they have some pretty brilliant thunderstorms this time of year, so I figured that his flight was delayed. When 12 p.m. rolled around, I started to get a bit more worried, but then all of my feelings were laid. I got a text. Red flag number one. Right. I know Christopher was tired, and he usually doesn't sleep well on flights, so I assumed that he wanted to reassure me. That's why he texted instead of calling. He said... Let me let me read for partner. When, when we switch off, please. we're going to read... Uh, there are dialogue spots throughout the story, so we are going to yes. have characters... This, this is, it is interestingly misspelled, uh, because this doesn't carry over to, to listeners, but it's, Just landed, will be home soon, but it is J-W-E-U-S-T-L-A-N-D-O-D, will be, and then home is H-O-M, and soon is S-U-N-E, so it is, it is already... Yeah, off to the kind of like Tom fuckery <laughs> of something weird. I is mean, going that on. is how my that is how my father texts just regularly. So I'll <laughs> I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I was gonna say that's how I text <laughs> after a couple old. drinks. 
That's how I text regularly. will be Homsen. <laughs> Homsen. Poor guy was so tired he couldn't even type straight. I even got him a new iPhone for his birthday and assumed that he was still having trouble adapting to the touchscreen after having been a loyal Blackberry fan for so many years. I went to the bathroom, took out my contacts, and fell asleep. I don't know how long after receiving the text I fell asleep, but I was out cold. A few hours later, I heard the latch turn, and I heard Chris's usually heavy footsteps climb up the stairs. He went to the bathroom and did his usual routine, except that he left the water running. I thought that was a bit strange. He's usually very particular about turning off the tap so as to not waste water, not because of bills, but because of the whole environmentalism kick he'd been on for the past couple of years. I was drifting in and out of sleep, but I wanted to see him before I fully passed out. He came into the room, and something seemed different. Nothing that scared me, but just seemed off. That's like worse that, somehow yeah. to me. Like I, I just I think that's so much worse. That if is he like came a in nightmare. with his face melting, right? It would be like, oh god, oh fuck, Jesus Christ! But like when it's just a little off, then you're left gaslighting yourself into like right. thinking everything's fine oh, when really fuck. it's not. <laughs> I have terrible vision, and my glasses were not near the bed since I normally wear contacts. I looked over, and his upper lip looked swollen, like if he had been stung by a bee. And I could see a lot more gum and teeth than normal, and had a very broad smile. Like, he missed me and was glad to see me. I asked him, Babe, are you okay? What's up with your lip? He quickly told me not to worry, and that it was just chapped from being on the plane. I agreed, and still have to sleep, drifted off again. About two hours later, I rolled over and noticed that Chris's back was towards me. Whatever, nothing strange. That's when I put my arms around him. He felt thicker. That's the only way to describe it. I know what my man feels like, and he just felt like a thicker, broader version of him. My general level of unease was starting to get stronger at this point, but still not being fully awake, I just chalked it up to nothing. Maybe he was bloated. This you don't morning, know what he ate. Maybe he's <laughs> He had a lot of I know, like shit happens, man. Lots What's of that line about airline food? <laughs> <laughs> This morning, I woke up, and Christopher was gone. His suitcase was still there, he had changed his clothes, but he was gone. I called him, no answer. He, however, quickly texted me back the following. At the gym, loft early, will be whom after you leave. Sounds Swedish. Good, I thought. Maybe he could... Yeah, really. Good, I thought. Maybe he could work off some of that extra weight I felt on him last night and chuckled to myself. <laughs> what a dick. All right. Okay. I went about my regular routine and was just about to step out the door when I saw his suitcase again. He had left it on the landing by the door, and I guess he just wanted it there so he could sort it in the living room. As I was leaving, a faint, musty smell hit me. It was like if somebody had left a steak out in the sun for a couple of hours. <laughs> I was already halfway out the door, so I felt like it was coming from outside, but when I turned my face towards the suitcase, it got so much worse. Oh, no. The smell wasn't a steak being left out for a couple of hours, but a couple of days. It reeked. I picked up the suitcase only to realize that he had left his lock on it, and I didn't have the keys, so I just moved it to the garage so it was out of the house. As I was about to get into the car, I got another text from Christopher. I love you. See you soon. I texted back, When you get home, check your suitcase. It stinks, and the handle has some kind of residue on it. 
I still found it strange that he would text. About ten minutes after I got into the car, my phone rang. Chris was calling me. Hello? Hey, babe. So sorry that I didn't get a chance to call you. You must be crazy worried. Why? Are you okay? Yeah, I've been stuck here in London, just getting onto <sighs> the plane to come home. Can you come meet me at the airport? I froze. I nearly dropped the phone and almost ran my car off the road. I also want to note that Cannibal Siren's eyes <laughs> bulged when, I, when that was read. <laughs> I, I went, Ugh. oh god. <laughs> yes, it was nightmares come true. <laughs> and this happened so soon, there's still so much story left. There's oh, a lot of story god. left. <laughs> what? What do you mean you're still in London? Is this a joke? That's not funny, Christopher. You came home last night. I saw you. I spoke to you. Yes, I'm a heavy sleeper, but don't shit around. What's going on? Uh, listen. <laughs> he put his phone on speaker and I could hear a woman in a thick English accent announcing, And gentlemen, this is the final boarding call for flight BA203 to Toronto. Could Mr. Fitzpatrick and Mr. Coldridge please come to the British Airways desk on the main concourse? I stopped the car. I was dead silent. What's going on? Who did I sleep next to? Christopher, get home. I'm scared. I need to see you. Call me when you're at the airport. Everything is okay. I just need to see you. <laughs> Okay, babe. Calm down. I'll be home soon. I should be there by 9 p.m. He chuckled because he figured my anxiety was getting the best of me. I didn't want to freak him out about what happened last night and texts and who I had spoken to earlier on the phone. I'm going to work now. I'm not going back to that house. I'm going to the airport so soon as I can if so I can meet Christopher, if it really is him. I don't know what's going on anymore. I'm a physicist, a man of science. None of this makes sense to me. I haven't been scared like this since I was a child. What's going on? Update. Final text from Chris. Quote, unquote, Chris. I'm at home waiting for you. When will you be back? The misspelled texts are creepier now. They are creepy. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like Update. someone who's imitating a person. Exactly. It's like they're not sure how people work, right. so they're figuring it out. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Update, 17.30 Eastern Standard Time. I just got back from the lab. Two of my colleagues want a chance to inspect the suitcase, but I'll hold out on that for now. They've done two cultures with what they were able to get from under my nails and from the palm of my left hand. They doubt they'll be able to find anything because of how long it's been since I touched the suitcase, but they'll let me know as soon as they see anything. Yo, this guy immediately is going ham on trying to figure out, though. you know, scientifically mm -hmm. what is going on. This is crazy. Yeah. Update 1745. Christopher messed up his arrival time. He just landed, heading to the airport now. Told him not to leave without me. Wow. So that was part one. I'm already into it because I love... I love a smart protagonist. 
Me too. It's nice. It's like he's a fucking physics professor. Like, of course he's going to try and figure out what's going on. You know what I mean? Someone comes into your house in the middle of the night looking a lot like the person you married and sounding a lot like the person you married. Even has the same suitcase as the person you married. But it is They know your name. Right. They know where your house is. And all they do is suck at texting, leave the water on, and sleep next to you. Swollen upper lip. Swollen upper lip. Swollen upper lip, too. Interesting. Very interesting. Monster Botox. (laughs) I was gonna say, uh, uh, immediately went back in time and slept with a relative, and now, uh, the offspring has a cleft palate. Um, the good news, Ah! uh, this is part two, the good news Science seems to be a useful tool in all of this. I like, I like that this dude is just immediately like, let's run a culture on the on the shit on the handle of the suitcase. Let's find out where that smell is coming from. Like, immediately mm-hmm. like, this wasn't my husband. Something weird's going on. Was that a monster? Why does shit smell? Like, they're asking all the good questions. The bad news, it's raising more questions than it's answering. Which is a little unfortunate, but we have a lot of story. I know a lot of you have referenced the mold stories, which deal with demonic possession, but after what's happened today, I think we're dealing with something very different. Uh, The mold series is a series on no sleep about essentially a sentient, um, a sentient, like, spore-based, that, that gets inside of people and makes them do shit. Um... But I only know that because I wanted to read that on the show, but it's like 500 pages long, so we're not going to read that on the show. (laughs) Um, Christopher called me when he landed and I rushed to the airport. By the time that I got there, he had already cleared customs and was waiting for me. He had his bag. I've never been happier and more confused to see the beat-up suitcase of his, which I've tried countless times to replace. When I saw him, I knew it was him. No fat lip. No odor, no unexplained weight gain. I ran to him and threw my arms around him. God, I missed him. I was still wary, but the part of me that promised to love and and to honor was overpowering the part of me that was absolutely terrified about what happened last night. I rushed him to the car and threw his suitcase in the trunk. It didn't stink, and it didn't have any residue on it, and I just wanted to get back on the road to explain to him what was happening. As we rushed down the highway, he asked me what was wrong, what could possibly have upset me, to the point that I was acting like a total bag of nerves. I explained everything from the smell, to the other Christopher, to my posting on Reddit, to giving the samples to the lab, and he was completely silent. He didn't say a word the entire time. And then he turned to me and asked if I had taken acid or if I'd smoked meth. I had some substance abuse problems when I was younger, and Chris met me at the tail end of it all, and I could see that he didn't believe a word that I was saying. It's unfortunate. (laughs) Unfortunate. I begged and pleaded with him to believe me, but he just remained silent and stared dead ahead. I could see that he was getting angrier by the moment, thinking that I was making up the entire thing. God damn it, Peter. I'm tired. I'm jet lagged and I've been stuck in an airport for almost a day. I don't need this shit as soon as I get back. Can we just go home? I'll take a shower. We'll go to bed and everything will be okay. Absolutely not. No way in hell was I going back to that house or 
Should I? I started questioning my own sanity. Maybe I did make the whole thing up. Nothing about the situation made sense. And I hadn't experienced any side effects from the exposure to whatever was on the suitcase handle. The suitcase! I moved the suitcase into the garage. I forgot about it being shattered by the way that Christopher was reacting to the situation. If we went to the house, I could show him the suitcase and then he would believe me. Except for the part, dear listeners, where the person was waiting at the house for the narrator, so I bet the suitcase isn't going to be there anymore, because the story's going to play with my heart. <laughs> I'm so stressed. <laughs> and yet you're sitting there, like, just smiling. Uh, I calmly turned to him. Okay, remember I told you about the suitcase. If we go back home and your suitcase is there, will you believe me? And I think it was mostly just the lack of sleep and exhaustion coupled with the desire to just get home that made him agree that if the suitcase was there, he would believe me. I gunned it down the highway, 145 kilometers at one point. I didn't care. I just wanted to show him and get the hell out of there. I pulled into the drive and hit the garage door button on my visor, knowing, feeling, a hundred percent convinced that I was about to be vindicated and the garage door opened up and nothing. Absolutely nothing. The suitcase wasn't there. I ran out of the car and tore the garage apart and maybe it rolled somewhere. Maybe I had forgotten where I put it. I searched for a good five minutes and then just turned blank-faced to him. Christopher was pissed. I haven't seen him this angry in a while. Peter, this isn't funny anymore. I'm tired, I'm hungry, and I just want to go to sleep. Get in the house and drop it. I love you, and I'm going to take your word for it that you're clean, but please don't press me. I just stood there, staring at him as he walked into the house. I didn't know what to do. Chris immediately made for the shower and we didn't even take his real suitcase out of the car. We just went into the house and I sat in the living room. Nothing felt weird or out of place and the only smell was the faint vanilla scent from the airwick in the wall. It was about 7pm by this point. Chris got out of the shower and came downstairs wearing his towel. Hearing his footsteps down the stairs terrified me. I froze on the couch and was just relieved to see that he had his normal physique. Are you coming to bed? He asked with the tone in his voice of much nicer and much more sweet than before. It's amazing how much a good shower can do for a man. I saw this as <laughs> true. I saw this as my opportunity to convince him to leave the house. I pleaded with him one more time, and I could just see the look of resigned exhaustion on his face. Okay, babe, we'll go to a hotel. It'll clear your mind, and maybe then you'll stop being such a drama queen. I love you, was the only thing that I blurted out before I broke down crying. I think the relief of finally convincing him to leave was vindication of the insanity that I was descending into. He pulled on some clothes, and I packed a bag. He didn't need anything because he still had clean clothes in the suitcase that was still in the trunk of our car. We got into the car, and he gave me a kiss. Man, you're high maintenance sometimes. One bad dream and you lose your shit. 
You're a logical person. I've never met a more staunch atheist, and you're acting like the damn ghost slept with you. Let's go to the king, Edward. Damn ghost slept with you as a ghost fucking has returned. <laughs> ghost fuckers ride again. <laughs> That's the name of our gang. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. It was my favorite hotel in the city, but because it was only 10 minutes away, we only went there for parties and for lunch and rarely got the chance to spend the night. The rooms are amazing. As we drove... I started to calm down. Having Christopher back and being away from the house made me feel better. The phone! In the panic to get home and tell him everything, I forgot to show him the weird texts that I received. I quickly took out my cell and scrolled through the texts. Nothing. No texts from him. Nothing. I didn't want to tell him anything because he would just continue to think that I was losing it, and I didn't want to look like a bigger fool than I already had been. I know I had sent and received those texts from him, I know I did, but frankly, I just wanted to get to the hotel and unwind. Maybe I could make sense of it tomorrow. The King Edward has a beautiful foyer, dominated by an enormous oil portrait of King Edward VII. As we made our way towards the check-in desk, the clerk smiled at us and said, Mr. Tittleman, how was your evening? <laughs> and I presume this is... Dr. Tillman. <laughs> she was looking at me, and she had a very deep voice. Christopher and I just stood there in silence. How did she know our names? We made no reservations, and we surely didn't come there enough for her, her to know us by name. Uh, I'm fine. I'm sorry. Have we met? Christopher looked at her quizzically and then turned to me. Oh, I, well... Of course, sir. You just stepped out and told me that you were going to get your husband. Her smile had turned to a look of confusion. Christopher just stared at me. He nor I knew what to say. I'm sorry, gentlemen. Is everything okay? The poor woman had no idea what was going on, and frankly, neither did I. Chris just stood there. I could see his face change. I could see that he was starting to believe me. I could see his opinion of my night was changing. Hell yes. <laughs> when a protagonist gets gets some team effort very Thank early you. in the story with so much story left that means it's going to be it's going to be saucy. It's going to be I was about to say juicy. <laughs> juicy. I spoke first. Oh, yes, we're fine, but we lost our room key. Can you please give us another one? He's so clumsy sometimes. I knew this was my chance to get to the bottom of this, and frankly, we were in a hotel known for VIP guests and great security, so there was no way we were going to be attacked. I felt safe, but asked if the attendant would come up with us to the room. Of course, sir, not a problem. Would you be able to provide some photo ID just to verify your, your identity? I do recognize you, however, I just have to ask. It's hotel policy. Of course, I said and turned to Christopher, and he was just staring straight ahead, still not understanding fully what was going on. And I grabbed his hand, and it was cold and clammy. Honey, I need your driver's license. Oh, uh, sure. Uh, yeah, um, okay, here you go. 
He awkwardly fished his wallet out of his back pocket and took out his license. After a couple of minutes, a new key was generated and the lady handed Christopher his license. He still hadn't said a word, and he just kept his grip on the handle of his suitcase. I know he was trying not to panic and just to go with it, but the full impact of my panic had been dumped on his jet-lagged mind, and I could see he was not handling it very well. The three of us got into the elevator, and the check-in clerk hit the ninth floor button, and everything seemed normal, and the beauty and the cleanliness of the hotel made nothing seem out of place. Christopher just kept staring at me. His eyes betrayed his worry, but I made the just-go-with-it face. We left the elevator and approached a room in the middle of the hallway, and the clerk put the keycard in, and the light on the lock turned to fluorescent green, and she opened the door and almost fell backward. The smell was unbearable. It stank. It reeked. It pulsated with the stench of rotten meat. Both Christopher and I made retching noises and backed into the hallway. Oh my god! God, what is that? The clerk looked at Christopher with a sense of horror, looking like she wanted to hit him for what she presumed he had done, or to the room. With hand over her mouth, she yelled in a muffled tone, Sir, what is that smell? I knew the smell. I knew it all too well. I just stood there taking it all in, feeling the full burning feeling at the back of my throat. I have no idea. That's definitely not from me. <laughs> Christopher shot back at her. He was a good ten feet behind me at this point, the smell being too unbearable for him. The clerk entered the room and looked around, and I followed right behind her, and it was spotless. The bed hadn't been touched. The towels were still folded neatly, and the minibar hadn't been disturbed. The smell began to waft into the hall, and the attendant ushered me out, left the room, and closed the door. Chris and the attendant just stood there gasping, trying to regain their breath, and I remained stock still, remembering the night before. We made our way back to the lobby, the hotel clerk looking pissed as hell, Chris standing there in a mixture of nausea and shock, and myself just terrified that I would run into whoever the other Christopher was. I knew I was right, and from the look on his face, Christopher believed me. The elevator opened, and I looked at the attendant. We're sorry for the smell, sir. I realize that there's nothing you could have done to cause it. It's probably the toilet backed up, or something. We will find you another room. The hotel isn't too busy tonight. Okay, I replied. Thank you. We'll go for a walk. We just need to clear our minds. I held Christopher's hand for dear life and guided him to the lobby seating. I'm so sorry, babe. I love you so much. I'm so sorry I didn't believe you. He was just so apologetic. I need a drink. He continued. Oh, fucking hell, I need to change my clothes. That smell, that smell is just burned into them. I sat in the lobby while Christopher made his way to the men's room suitcase and tow. I don't like them splitting up. I am very much an advocate for not splitting up in this very in this very scenario. I am super worried that the uh, 
that what is happening is almost like a goat man yeah. scenario. Yeah. Like the smell reminds me of Goatman because whenever Goatman would change his identity, there'd always be that like blood metallic smell mm-hmm. in the air. And um and then you know that like someone else in the room is just like not who they say they are, which is yeah. like very interesting. Um I had a line of sight to the room and felt safe surrounded by hotel staff and various attendants. And less than two minutes passed and Christopher came running out of the bathroom white as a sheet. We need to go. <laughs> and we need to go now. He dragged me by the hand into the street. Babe, calm down. What's wrong? I asked as he dragged me towards the car. There was two of everything. Two toothbrushes, two shirts, two sets of pants, two of every one of my... Two of everything. He continued to drag me towards the car and I just went with it. It had been one hell of a night, and I wasn't going to object to anything. We sat in the car, Christopher panting. What do you mean that there was two of everything, I asked. I opened my suitcase and all of my clothes, my shoes, my everything. There was two sets of them. It was only then that I realized what he was talking about, and that he had left his suitcase in the men's room. Someone's been in the suitcase and, uh, and well, I've replicated every fucking thing I own. I don't know what's going on, but the shit isn't right. We're going to Anthony's. He hit the gas hard. I felt myself pressed into the seat of the car as it accelerated out of the parking lot and merged onto the highway. Anthony lived about 20 minutes away, regular driving. We were going to make it in 10. Anthony was a physician, a neurologist, and really, knowing that we were not going home and would have had medical care, if needed, just made me feel better. Christopher looked like he was going to cry, mixed with the anger of a man who had been wronged. His privacy had been invaded. Someone was pretending to be him. And he had no idea what was going on. I put my hand on his thigh and squeezed trying to reassure him. In the eight years that I'd known him, I had never seen him like this. I called Anthony. Anthony, it's Peter. We're coming over. Christopher and I need to spend the night. I'll explain when I get there. Oh, um, okay. Are you alright? Do either of you need anything? No, just make sure that there's parking in the driveway. Sure thing. See you soon. Tell Chris thanks again for the gift. I assumed Chris had sent Anthony a gift from Vienna. He usually sent things back for him whenever he travels. He's been the big brother that Anthony needed many times throughout his life. We pulled into the driveway and Christopher bolted out of the car and banged on Anthony's door. Anthony opened the door and Christopher burst in. Get in, Peter, and lock the door. Anthony put on the alarm system. Anthony complied and asked what the hell was going on. And Christopher started. I'm sorry, you're going to be on double voices here unless you want me to take one of them. Uh, why don't you be Anthony? Okay. We've had a fucking crazy night, Tony. We need to stay here. Something really strange is going on. I I don't feel safe. Why? What could have happened in the past hour to make you feel this way? The past hour? Yeah, you looked a little out of it when you dropped the bag off, but I figured it was just jet lag. At least the lip looks a little less swollen. Good to see the Benadryl I gave you is working. (laughs) And damn glad to see you showered. You stank. Mind you, no one smells good after a day of travel. Christopher nearly fainted. 
He just fell back into the chair that was behind him. Anthony, did you let Christopher in when he came here an hour ago? Of course. He gave me the gift bag and I told him to come in so I could take a look at his lip. He said he was just having a reaction to some pineapple and the salad from the plane. Uh, pineapple allergy runs in Christopher's family and Anthony is aware of this. So I just gave him some Benadryl and told him to drink a lot of water. Did he look different otherwise? Was he fatter? <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean? Did he look any fatter than he is now? No. What was he driving? Your BMW. Your car. You mean that car that we have parked in your driveway right now? Yeah. Yes. He he said he. I, I, you could take over for Anthony because now I realize it's just a conversation between the narrator and Anthony. Yes, he said he was going to get you and then go to dinner at the King Edward. Christopher Joseph Tillman, what the hell is going on? You two are freaking me out. Anthony, I picked up Christopher from the airport. I've been with him and with our car all afternoon. The thing that came to the house wasn't Christopher. Anthony looked up at us skeptically. But his medical mind made him realize that there was no way Christopher's lip would look so normal within an hour. I started telling him the story, all the while keeping an eye on Christopher, who had gone from a pale white to a strange greenish hue. I could only imagine what was going through his mind. Just then, my phone rang. It was Vass, short for Vasily, the chemist that did my palm scraping from earlier on the day. Hey Vass, what's up? It's about 8.30 at this point. Are you on campus tomorrow? I need to see you. We could have some results back and they're unusual. Nothing that could hurt you, so don't panic, but just not normal. Vass, tell me what's going on. What did you find? I can't handle any more suspense after today. Vass was a very gruff, very bearish Russian man. Yo, I fucked up that voice. Who... <laughs> <laughs> who I had known for quite a few years. I had never heard him sound confused or worried, and tonight his voice shook with both of those emotions. It almost sounded like he was under duress. I'm gonna try a Russian accent. We'll see what happens. If it's terrible, can, I'm dropping it in the it? middle, and I won't apologize. <laughs> Pete, you are my friend. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but the residue from under your fingernails was human tissue. It was necrotizing, rotting human tissue. What's your blood type? I say keep doing it. You're okay. good. <laughs> o negative. This is AB positive. I need you to answer some questions for me, Peter. I, um, I'm what? Okay, I'll come to the lab in the morning. Thanks, Vass. No problem. It's a good thing that you don't have that suitcase anymore. Good night. As I hung up the phone, I realized I never told Vass that I no longer had the suitcase. I turned to Christopher. He had the gift bag that he had given to Anthony an hour earlier in his hand. It was filled with cheesy Austrian souvenirs... And nothing really of note, except for a card in an envelope. Chris opened the envelope and scanned the card. What the fuck? 
Chris yelled and handed me the card. It wasn't handwritten, it was typed. 608, arrive at Aeroport. 644, day get home. 733, hotel. 741, go to room. 758, leave quick, go to car. 815, Anthony. 833, phone ring, chemist. 1145, me. It's 1045 mm. as I type this on my iPad. Anthony, myself, and Chris are sitting in a Tim Hortons coffee shop across the road from 52 Division, a police precinct, waiting. I, I'm real into this story. I think I it's, too. I think it's really cool. It's I'm always really glad good. when you and I get to read something cool because I, 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 how many times have we talked about how creepy the doppelganger experience can be? Like, I feel like I've had that discussion with so many people on this show, but it's like, it's true. It's just so fucking unnerving. And this is even more fucking unnerving because whatever the fuck this thing is, it knows what they're going to do before they do it. Yeah. So that it's makes like pre, it even It's scary. precog. Exactly. So like how, what the fuck are you supposed to do? Like, what can you do? What does it want also? It I says an that. hour from, an hour from now, it says me. Like, what does that mean? I don't what know. What does that mean? <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to let you take this next part. All right. Part three. 10.45 p.m. Tuesday, July 28th, 2014. Christopher Anthony and myself were all crammed into a booth inside the coffee shop. Confusion, anger, fear, hatred, every single visceral emotion that pulsates in a situation of unknowing flew between the three of us. Virtually no words were exchanged. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> Me. <laughs> right. I think we all sat there contemplating our own mortality. If this thing, if this person, quote unquote, knew our every move and exactly where we were going to be, how could we do anything about it? What force did we have to fight it slash he? I held tightly onto Christopher's hand. His normally warm, loving hands were cold and clammy with fear. We were across the road from the police station, but how would we explain ourselves? We had brought the note, but what would the introduction be? Oh, hello, officer. My husband and all of his possessions, including a full-size sedan, were replicated and used to terrify his cousin, a high-ranking neurologist specializing in pediatrics at Sick Kids Hospital. Also, like, sorry, just breaking Sick Kids Hospital. Hilarious. <laughs> I couldn't Sick imagine kids. the reaction. I could only imagine what we were going that we were going to either be laughed at or jeopardize Anthony's career if we said anything. I just want to I just want to stand real quick to say that the the hospital specializes in kids with skateboards. <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself. I <laughs> I was about to threaten to come over and beat you up like with a bat or something, but <laughs> Anthony's the top 
<laughs> the top physician at the sick kids hospital. Anthony will be played by none other than Tony Hawk. Fuck. <laughs> I'm putting on the soundtrack next time we read the story. Okay. <laughs> the brain doctor is seeing shit and thinks that his cousin is a doppelganger that I may or may not have slept next to while my real husband was in Vienna. No, seriously, believe us. Oh, I teach physics too. <laughs> Fuck. This truly was a catch-22. No way to help ourselves. I couldn't even begin to think of how we would start. Anthony isn't one for silences. He's a very talkative man and I could feel the tension was getting to him. Saw up in a cranium, play around in there, stitch it back up. Sure. No problem. Waiting for a seemingly paranormal creature in a coffee shop in the middle of the largest Canadian metropolis? Hell no. I'm going to order. Do you guys want anything? Anthony asked as he rose from the table. Sit the hell down. You're not going anywhere. Christopher was starting to get angry. He was a lawyer, and his legally trained bulldog mind was beginning to get the better of him. I could see that he was beginning to reach his limit with what was going on. Chris, you can see me. The counter is, what, two feet away? We can't just sit here. We have to order. Plus, I'm parched. It's about 30 degrees out there. You, you, you two could just keep looking at me, and I'll keep looking at you. Cool? I'll take an ice cap. That's an iced cappuccino for you non-Canadians. Chris acquiesced. I'll just have a coffee, I weakly said. I realized that neither Chris nor I had eaten since this started, and we had to force ourselves to eat something. And a bagel, toasted with butter. Anthony made his way to the counter, about four steps away. And just to keep everyone's mind at peace and focus on the task at hand, we continued the conversation. So, we all agree that he knows we're here, right? Absolutely. He knew we were here before we knew we were coming here. We're in public. The cops are across the road. This is the best place to be. If he's gonna try anything, all these people would notice and say something. The place is well lit, and once again, cops across the road. He was right. There was little chance one of us would be stabbed or murdered in the middle of a restaurant, but all of us were convinced that Chris, quote-unquote, would show up, especially after the experience at the King Edward Hotel. He came there, he waited, and then he left. He was going to get his husband, me, according to the check-in clerk. Chris looked at Anthony, vigilant as ever. My man. You know, he's right. This place is pretty busy, especially for a Wednesday night. I took my eyes off Anthony as well, looked behind us, even though the door was in the opposite direction, and I swore I wouldn't take my eyes off of it. They were both right. There were a lot of kids and what looked like an inconsiderate, neglectful woman attending to them all. About four kids, one parent. Typical for that part of downtown. It was a rich city, but like everywhere, there was poverty. Fucking classist bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony approached the counter and placed the order. The attendant, usually unusually happy for 11 p.m., fuck, 45 minutes, filled the order, and as she passed the tray to Anthony, looked at him and said, don't forget to roll up the rim to win. Thanks. Said Anthony, and made the four steps back to our booth. 
Sidebar, for those who aren't Canadian, Roll Up the Rim to Win is pretty much a national event. The loyalty Americans pay to Starbucks is reciprocated in Canada with our loyalty to Tim Hortons. It's a national institution. Twice a year they hold a contest where you literally roll up the rim of your coffee cup and see if you've won a prize. Quite like checking under a pop bottle cap to see if you've won a prize. This is what the rolled up rim looks like. Visuals don't carry over. <laughs> no. We sat there and drank our drinks in virtual silence, just watching the clock about 10 minutes past, 11, 11 p.m., and I couldn't handle the noise of the damn kids anymore. I looked at Anthony and Chris and said, I need a cigarette. Can we all go outside? We'll stay by the door, and if anything, it's a straight shot across the parking lot to the cop station. We can make it. They looked at each other and agreed. The noise from the kids was getting to be just too much, and they could just use the break instead of sitting there waiting for our visitor to arrive. We all stood up, almost in a choreographed manner, no one wanting to be left behind in the cafe, and made our way to the front door. We stood right by the entrance with our car parked in front of us. It had cooled down a fair amount, and there was definitely a bit of a nip in the air. Hell, this is Canada. Nothing surprising here. Christopher opened the car. I'm going to grab my sweater from the back seat. He hit the auto opener on his keys, and the locks flew open. I approached the vehicle, clearly looking inside to see if anyone was crouched in the back seat, just waiting for me. Nice. Nothing. I opened the door, constantly looking back at Anthony and Christopher, who were less than a foot away from me at this point, grabbed the sweater, and we all walked back into the entrance. I had finished the cigarette in record time and just wanted to get back in the restaurant. Even though we could run to the police station if need be, the silence of the parking lot, coupled with the exposure of being outside, just gave me an eerie feeling. Anthony and Christopher agreed with me, and we all went back inside. 11.30 p.m. Damn, these kids were annoying. <laughs> Christopher and I were just in the initial phases of adoption and loved children dearly, but these kids wouldn't shut up. <laughs> Coupled with the tension of what we were waiting for, it was starting to get to be too much. Christopher squeezed my hand. I'm just gonna tell them to shut up. Fuck, I can't handle this. Calm down. Focus on the task at hand. Let that be white noise. Anthony, our ever-present physician, had a very calming effect on Christopher and this seemed to work. Every second that passed, every minute that dragged by, we could feel the tension building. Would he come through the door? Would he manifest right in front of us? How would he do it? And the ultimate question, what the hell did Chris, quote-unquote, want with us? What was he trying to extract from us, and what could we possibly give him? Was it money? Say so? I'll write the check for you right there. Was it control? Was it power? Was it sexual favors? If sexual it was that, favors. <laughs> if it was that, I'd volunteer to do them right then and there if that meant we'd be left alone. Now, now that's a real partner right there. Yeah, sorry. One of my cats just, like, banged on something and it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I love when your cats fuck with you during a story. It's so Because I see you turn around and I see you get, like, a little nervous. You're going to turn just, around and you're going to like look in a mirror and you're going to be so freaked out because you think like you just entered the room. Listen. <laughs> Cannibal Siren just entered the chat. <laughs> if it's if there's a second one of me, we're throwing hands. There's nice. no, no hesitation. She's getting smoked. See, I've had this discussion on, on an, another episode before. I don't think with you, but like if I were to run into myself, I'd be like... Yo, how's it going? <laughs> Yo, bro, like, what up, dude? <laughs> this is, I'm on some Highlander shit. There That's can only okay. be there one. There can only be one. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Not one of us said a word for the next 15 minutes. We sat there in utter silence, the overpowering din of the coffee shop providing what turned out to be rather useful background noise. In hindsight, if the Tim Hortons had been dead silent, we would have had a much harder time being there. We all looked at one another. Nothing. Nothing changed. Nothing happened. The din and the noise still continued. People kept placing orders. The overly happy employee kept filling orders. And just nothing. Christopher kept playing with the car keys, but still nothing. Anthony finished his coffee and rolled the rim. He froze. Where it should have said, Please try again. Or, you want a donut? It just said, One and one is two. Why three? Anthony just said, Oh shit. And showed us the rim. The creature knew we were here. He knew how to communicate with us, but he wasn't here. What the hell was he trying to say? One and one is two. Why three? I think he's wondering why Anthony is there. That's true. Or maybe he's making an allusion to how there's like two of Christopher and one husband. So why three? When there should only be two. Right. Christopher, Anthony, and I looked at each other. Maybe he wasn't going to show up in such a crowded place and chose to send us a message this way. Maybe we'd outsmarted him by picking such a public place. We had screwed up his timeline. Here we were waiting. Hey, mister, what happened to your lip? Those seven words were like a gong, like the so-called shot heard around the world. Fuck, they were a cannon in the noise room to us. Chris and I turned around and Anthony, already facing that direction, looked over our shoulders. There was a man sitting in the booth behind ours whose back to us. He was wearing a hat and a jacket with the collar popped. There, standing, looking at him, was a girl no more than six years old, staring at his face. Mister, why is your lips so fat? That's gross! <laughs> I have never moved that fast in my life. Jesus fucking Christ, run! Was the only thing that Anthony could think to say. Christopher and I shot out of the coffee shop as quickly as we could. Christopher hit the clicker for the car door and the safety of the beep beep that automatic locks make when they open sounded. We all piled in the car. Christopher in the driver's seat, me in the passenger, and Anthony in the back. We hit the start button and the engine came alive with a soft purr. Christopher threw the car in reverse and we gunned it out of the parking lot and straight into the parking lot of the cop station. All three of us were yelling. (laughs) Nothing was discernible. Christopher was yelling about how the hell did we miss him coming into the cafe. That seat was definitely empty when we sat down. Anthony was almost on the verge of hyperventilating and kept asking what the fuck we think he wanted. And I just sat there practically screaming gibberish. So my, my problem with them just immediately booking it is that like you delay the inevitable like yeah wouldn't you rather like grab the guy by his fucking jacket and be like who are you (laughs) like do like a Liam Neeson like what do you want see at this I don't know I guess it's like you know it's that fucking fight flight or freeze right they they chose flight (laughs) I can't say I wouldn't have done the same thing. It's just like in that moment, I would have been like, (gasps) ah, and just like fucking booked it. (laughs) Oh, 
We came to abrupt stop in front of the door of the police station, frozen inside the car. Yes, we know, we should have run inside, but none of us could move. It still boggles my mind that Christopher was able to get the damn car across the road without hitting anyone. Dundas Street is incredibly busy, but still, none of us could move. We just sat there. Anthony broke the silence. Stay in the car. Don't go inside. We never saw his face. We don't know what's going in there to report. We can't just walk in and say, A man with a fat lip caused a small girl to be grossed out, so we ran out of there. What the fuck do you think the cops are going to do to that? They're going to think we're fucking drugged out of our minds. Are you fucking kidding me? The hell with this shit. I'm going inside. I'm done. I can't. Stop. He's right. We don't know if that was him. Maybe it was some druggy with fucked up meth teeth. We don't know anything yet. Like, sure, it happened at 11.45, but what the fuck does that mean? We gotta think this through. Turn off the lights and wait to see if he leaves. We all sat there, realizing that regardless of how scared we were, regardless of what had happened, we had nothing to tell the cops. We had nothing. We couldn't tell them about Chris coming home because the story would break down due to total lack of evidence. No texts were on my phone. No nothing. We couldn't tell them about Chris dropping a bag off at Anthony's because the second they asked what he looked like and what he drove, Dr. Anthony Jovid would have to say, Oh, he looked like the guy standing next to me and he drove the car I came here in. We had nothing. We sat there in the car with nothing left to do but wait. 11.47 p.m. We all sat there, all of us in shock and pure fear. The cops were less than a stone's throw away from us, and we knew if we saw anything, we'd book it from the car and just go grab a police officer. Until then, we had nothing to go on. The only, we just stared at the only entrance to the Tim Hortons that we could see, the one that had gone in and out of several times, the one that led me in the parking lot where I had that cigarette. I'm burning up. I need to cool down. This is getting to me. Christopher said. I could only imagine how frayed my poor husband's nerves were at this point. So I reached over and put on the AC. There was no fucking way I would be doing <laughs> rolling down a window. We had never seen that thing arrive or leave the coffee shop. Who knew what he was capable of? The AC turned on, and once again the hum of the fan filled the car with much-needed noise. All we did was stare. Stare at that damn door. If you're putting on the AC, I'm going to put on this sweater. Peter's, this yours. Anthony asked from the back seat. Yeah, go ahead. It's Wait, Anthony, what color is the fucking sweater? It's blue with a hood. Get the fuck out of the car now. Go, go, go. I had taken my blue sweater out of my car when I went for a cigarette while we were still waiting. I was wearing my blue sweater. That was the creature's replication of my blue sweater. We were inside the fucking creature's car. We couldn't tell the difference because there was no difference. This was the car that had driven to Anthony's house when Chris delivered the gift bag. That's wild. All three of us frantically tried to open the doors, <laughs> but they wouldn't budge. It was like their welded shut. Christopher reached into the middle console and pulled out the emergency if you're in a fire. Used this to break the windshield hammer I made him buy and pounded away at the glass. Nothing. Not even a scratch. 
We were trapped inside the creature's car. Press the fucking horn! Screamed Anthony from the back. We were in the police parking lot. They were sure to hear us, but nothing. We tried and tried. We tried screaming, kept trying the doors. Anthony was lying in the back seat, trying to kick the door open as hard as he could, but the glass refused to give. Suddenly, the smell. That rank, odorous smell. Rotten meat, fetid flesh, acrid, pungent, all-consuming, came pumping out of the AC vents. I tried to turn off the AC, but the car continued to fill with the smell. There was nothing we could do. I could hear Anthony retching in the back seat. This was his first exposure to it, and he couldn't handle it. Christopher had covered his mouth and nose with his hand, but was trying very hard to hold back vomit. All three of us kept trying the doors, but they were not moving. Oh, fucking hell, look! Screamed Christopher, his voice muffled by his own hand. Across the street, standing, holding a suitcase with his hat and coat on, stood Chris, quote-unquote. He was pointing to us. I could almost feel that pointed finger rubbing across my face. I have never been more scared in my life. The smell was overpowering. The sight was overpowering. I was praying to faint just so I wouldn't have to deal with the situation, but my body wouldn't let me. Then the creature slowly, methodically, moved his hand and pointed to another car. To our car, parked in Tim Horton's parking lot, exactly where this one had been in the exact spot impossible utterly impossible what could this creature do what was he capable of the smell made screaming impossible so in order to breathe as much as possible we all stopped yelling and looked at this creature Chris he began crossing the road in a very smooth, very human, unassuming steps, he made his way across the road. He was standing in the parking lot holding his suitcase and slowly advancing toward us. By now we could see his trademark feature. It was my husband. It was my Christopher. It was the love of my life, but with the most grotesque, oversized, swollen upper lip. It looked infected and engorged. I put both of my hands on my Christopher, shielding him from the creature that was approaching from the passenger side of the vehicle. He came extremely close. We were frozen in terror. No one dared move. Anthony was pressing up against the door opposite to the creature, filled with the fear reserved for children and those in war zones. And then the creature made its way to Anthony's passenger side window. Not so close to us to touch the window, but close enough for Anthony to know he was the one that the creature wanted. He couldn't scream. He was paralyzed with fear, as we all were. The creature raised his hand, his perfectly human-shaped, perfectly Christopher-shaped hand, and pointed at Anthony, and made the no-no-no gesture, waving one finger from side to side. He was signaling that the rim of the coffee cup had told us, Anthony shouldn't have been there. One plus one is two. He wanted Christopher and I, and wanted nothing to do with Anthony. He looked me dead in the eyes, and then looked at Christopher. He averted his gaze quickly, as if he couldn't stand seeing what Christopher, what real Christopher looked like. And then he was gone. He turned out around, suitcase still firmly in hand, and walked away. He walked to the left of us, that's all we saw. We never saw what he where, where he went. He just vanished into the night. By the time the creature was out of sight, the awful smell died down. 
the locks in the car flew up, flew open and the three of us threw ourselves out of the vehicle. Anthony couldn't stand, but the overwhelming stench was too much for him. So I propped him up and Christopher held the door to the police station. We were inside in a flash, Anthony's dead weight and all. A police officer rushed towards us. What's going on? Is he okay? Asked the police officer. He reached into his shoulder-mounted radio and spoke into it. DI-52, DI-52, three males, one injury, med staff to the lobby. Anthony sprang up. The cool, clean air of inside the police station drove the life back into him like a hammer to a nail. We're being stalked. We're being followed. We're... We're being... We're... We're being... Fuck. Anthony had reached his point. He had been singled out by the creature, he had been pointed at, and it was too much for him to bear. He just started weeping uncontrollably, not knowing how to handle any of this. Officer, we we need to file a police report immediately. Chris, ever-present lawyer, took control of the situation. Okay, I'm Officer Michael Hand. I'll take the report, but your friend needs help. Right as he finished, a male officer wearing gloves and carrying a medical supply kit came around the corner and approached us. He could see Anthony in distress and immediately started to attend to him. Okay, gentlemen, care to tell me what's going on? I'm Dr. Peter Tillman. This is my husband, Christopher Tillman. We're being stalked and threatened, and we need to be protected. The person stalking us has assumed my identity and has been charging things to my credit card, attempting to use... Steal wasn't an appropriate word, and Christopher knew it but attempted to use my vehicle and even entered my home while my husband was there by himself. Okay, I understand the panic, but who's your friend and what does he have to do with this? His name is Dr. Anthony Jovid, and he's my cousin. He's been helping us out ever since we realized that we weren't safe. And how long has that been? Christopher and I blankly stared at one another, not knowing how to answer this man's question. We couldn't tell him everything because he'd think we were crazy, but at the same point, we had to disclose what happened. Since yesterday around 8pm, that's when he entered my home, impersonated me, and attempted to harass my husband. Okay, do you know where this person is now? Anthony pulled off the oxygen mask they had placed over his mouth. The on-site nurse had propped him into a chair so he could be safe if he fainted. Show him the car. He screamed. Well, it wasn't a scream, since he had no energy with which to do so. Christopher and I took Officer Han outside the door, waiting to show him the duplicate car that the creature had conned us into getting into. But nothing. The car was gone. I looked across the road, and as expected, I could see my car, my real car, or I thought it was my real car, sitting in the parking lot of the Tim Hortons. Not wanting to risk it, I told the officer to come with us across the road, He radioed in to tell the control board where he was going across the road with us. Anthony remained in the police station. After all, the creature apparently didn't want him. Officer Hahn and I approached, uh, Christopher and myself approached the vehicle, not knowing what to expect. The cop took out his flashlight and shone it around inside the car. This is your vehicle, sir. Yes, it's registered in both our names. Please open the doors if you do not mind. Not at all. Please have a look around. The police officer thoroughly searched the vehicle, even lifting the bottom part of the trunk and rifling through the glove compartment. We waived any right we had to unnecessary search and seizure and let the man do his job. Of course, there was nothing. Nothing at all. Come back with me to the station and fill out the paperwork. We'll see how your friend's doing if he needs to go to the hospital. 
I'll ride him over. If not, there's not really much we can do, gentlemen. But you, I... Well, how? Nothing, officer? He's right. There's not much he can do. Thank you, sir. We'll fill out the paperwork. We all got into the car, including Officer Han, who we asked to accompany us, and went back to the station in order to fill out the paperwork. It took less than 20 minutes, and Anthony had recovered well enough to come with us. We thanked the police and went into the parking lot. I unlocked the car and looked around to make sure nothing was off, but what the hell could I prove? What did I know anymore? Nothing. We couldn't tell what was real from what was fake. I sat in the car engine running for about 15 minutes and discussed what we should do. The suggestions ranged from a hotel to Anthony's to our house to just staying in the parking lot. Regardless of where we went, this creature would find us. At least we had filled out the police report and Officer Han took us serious enough to say he would come by tomorrow to check on us. It was about 1am by the time all of this was finished. Anthony and I decided to go to my mom's place in Yorkville. It was a penthouse with more than enough room to house us and frankly it seemed that this thing, this creature, this fake Chris, was only after myself and Christopher. So we knew this we would be safe here. It was only a few minutes away. I called my mom and she said to come on over. She's a bit of a night owl and I didn't give her any details about why we were in the area or why we wanted to come over. She just said to stop by, so we went. On the drive, I asked Christopher for the paperwork so that the cop had given us just to make sure I could, just so I could make sure it was safe. There's now an official record of what had happened and I wanted to make sure that my copy was reachable just in case. I took one glance down at the paper. I wasn't shocked. I wasn't surprised. I wasn't off-put. I was just plain terrified. Instead of detail of this incident in the section meant for all that, it only said the same three words over and over and over. New beginning tomorrow. New beginning tomorrow. And it just goes on to say new beginning tomorrow and in, in really bad spelling new is n-i-e-w beginning is b-e-g-i-n-n-i-n-g which is actually spelled correctly but the capitalization is off and then tomorrow is capital t-o lowercase m capital o lowercase r-e capital r lowercase o-w so that that is also spelled incorrectly what what do the capitals say anything e-b-n-t-o-o Tour? No. No. It would be interesting if that meant something. But it just says new beginning tomorrow um, repeatedly for like a paragraph. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at my mom's house now. I sit and wait for tomorrow. This is starting to make more sense now. I guess all debts do need to be paid. Okay. What the fuck does that mean, Peter? So, um... So that, all debts need all debts do need to be paid. I don't know what that means either, Peter. It sounds like Peter knows something he's not letting on. Maybe, maybe there's something going on. Yeah, there's something um, something happening there. I feel bad for Anthony. I would say Anthony. I, I feel I feel worst for <laughs> Anthony. Also, like active, like actively has nothing to do with this. I I sh- I shat when uh the person walked up to the car and just kind of just kind of did the no no the no no yeah. no the ah 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 yeah you don't you didn't say the right word ah 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 um yeah, i i hate that and i would say i i thank um 
the video game Deadly Premonition for having me despise the whole the whole oh no you don't because the there's a killer in a red raincoat that follows you in that game and whenever he catches up to you he just goes <laughs> he just shakes his finger left to right he's also carrying a bloody axe in his left hand anyway i don't care for that <laughs> it's it's not it's not great it's very terrifying uh much much recommend so um yes. uh i love yep. this story I do the story too. It's is the story is really fun. I can see when your eyes are reading ahead. I can look at you. And I'm I, sorry. I, I can't I see help you. It. I see you, and you're like, ooh, 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 and you keep going down. It's very funny. I can't help it. I didn't read that. I didn't read ahead though that much. It's just like one or two lines. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I made a okay. horrible face for everyone listening. That's okay. <laughs> Um, I think, I think we should, we should read the second part some, sometime soon. I know that this is going to be, I know 176 is just going to be the finish to this story. So I know that we're going to finish it sometime soon, but I got to say, this is a, this is a very fun story. It's a very fun story to read with you because I, I don't feel other than when we did, um, the, uh, the cabin, the romantic cabin oh, getaway. Yes, the romantic cabin getaway. I feel like that series with you, like we genuinely felt a little like pressed against time, like like our protagonists yes. were on like a losing side of the battle. Whereas yes, this one, absolutely, this one feels like like time is against us. You know, like it yeah. feels like it feels like every minute that passes by, there's something we're missing and there's something we're not catching on to. And I feel like it's going to catch up to the protagonists and mm-hmm. we're going to be like, ah, <laughs> and I mean, especially like with that last little like fun tidbit, I'm just kind of like, mm, like there's there's some fuck shit going on. <laughs> some fuck shit. <laughs> yeah, there's something like with uh, Peter is definitely not telling us everything, which I also like in a narrator. I like yeah. a narrator that deliberately withholds things. You know what I, I mean? mean? I mean, there, there's a lot we don't know about these people. There's a lot mm-hmm. we don't know about their pasts. You know, there, yeah. there, there might be something going on. You know what I will say is... I was disappointed the narrative didn't pick up the next day because I really wanted to hear what Vasily had to say. Same. I really I'm assuming... Wa- I assume the next day is going to be when they get to the mom's house. So I assume yeah. Vasily... Vasily might be the character, like, you know, the horror trope where, like, the character is introduced in the beginning, but he just... Yeah. He doesn't come back until the very end. And then at the very end, he delivers, like, you know, like, the twist... Like you crucial know, like, information. Uh, the only the only thing that comes to mind is like, um, like M Night Shyamalan movies or like Lucky Number Slevin. Like, there's like a cop character in the beginning who like tells the story, and at the very end, he's like, "Oh, by the way, I meant to tell you huge twist material." <laughs> like, I love that shit. So I I'm, do too. I'm I like I like the, the exposition man. I'm hoping <laughs> Mr. Russian comes back and he says, "Hey, comrade." Uh, person following you is husband. Person yes. been with you entire time, not husband. No. Smell <laughs> just uh, bad body odor. Take shower. <laughs> <laughs> Take shower. Drink, shower. drink much vodka. 
Enjoy life. Have a good Enjoy day. Enjoy life. Yes. Have a good day. Stop crying. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, so, I'm um, very nervous about what's to come because this just apprehensive. Like, yes, apprehensive because this just feel like this feels like there's there, there's some shit happening. You know, like there's I don't definitely know. some shit happening. Yeah, something real creepy, creepy. So, <laughs> Cannibal Siren. Is there any, uh, is there any, like, final, final words before we end this part? Uh, I think the solution to never experiencing a doppelganger situation is to never have a relationship. Die alone. (laughs) And then you won't have to deal with it. But what if the doppelganger (laughs) is you? Then die sooner. I was just gonna say, then fall back on lots of pastas catchphrase, aka kill yourself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Then yeah, there you go. Problem solved. Oh, I hate it and I love it and I hate it. So this was Lots of Pasta episode 175 with I realize I may not have even introduced you, Cannibal Siren. I mean I did mention your name several times, so people know who you are they click oh, on thank the link God. they see your face uh the beautiful cartoon that i that i drew of you you know like absolutely me. they they know that jumping into this episode that they're in for some good shit and so now they've gotten it hopefully their their <laughs> appetites have been uh you know quenched but i exactly. will say i will say we leave a little room for linger we much. live a, we much like the cranberries uh, we're going to leave a little bit of linger there for you because I want you to come back into next episode 176 and I want to finish this fucking story. We actually have a lot more to read on that next one. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's a lot more pages on part two. So hopefully exactly. lots of exposition, lots of uh, questions to be answered. Um, I'm hoping we enjoy the ending of this one more than we enjoyed the ending of the last one. You know, reading a series with you is always fun because expectations. I expectations. have, yeah, I do. I have a lot of expectations for ma- most things. So the question is whether or not they're met. <laughs> I'm hoping for some, we got some, like when, when he pointed at the car from the other parking lot, I got some body snatchers vibes. Like Fuck I wanted yeah. him, I wanted him to just let out like one of those screams, one of those, like it, it gets to yes. me every fucking time. Whenever, whenever I watch that movie. Um, I also I'm, t- I'm like, talking the '80s uh, Donald Sutherland uh, right. body snatchers. The the '50s one is okay, but I'm talking the '80s, yeah, not the '90s, I like, not the 2000s. Just like watching, uh, like the, I also just like I I'm a huge fan of like, you know, I it's also like and now I'm not sure who the monster's coming for either. I genuinely can't tell if it's coming for Peter or his husband. I'm not sure. Because he clearly, it's, like, something to do with both of them. But, like, I love that Anthony was there. And because Anthony was there, the monster was like, nope, it's not right. But I'll be back. Right. And I, I just love that. Love it. Hate it. But love it. But also hate it. I'm worried. I'm honestly worried for all three of them. I'm I'm worried that if Anthony sticks around, the monster might just kill him. To exactly. get him out of the way. I'm worried. I'm yeah. worried for... Uh, for Chris, because I'm worried the monster is trying to replace him. There's mm-hmm. a reason that he's wearing Chris's skin. Um, the necrotizing exactly. flesh is interesting. Yeah, it I'm almost, not sure what's going on there. It like, almost the implies is. that like this guy is rotting, and that's why he mm-hmm. smells. 
So like, is, he is he trying, trying to maybe replace Chris so that he can have his body so he can stop rotting? Maybe maybe he's living off of like biological like little things that Chris has in order to replicate him, but right. he can't like complete the process like the metamorphosis until he like consumes Chris, like quote unquote. Right, and um, then that makes me, that begs the question of how Peter fits in, though, to the narrative, because he wants, like, there's something with Peter, too. You know what interesting. I mean? Like, it's not just the husband. Right, and it's interesting because it did sleep next to him. Like, it did, mm-hmm. it didn't harm him. No, it know? did not. I'm I'm worried about Peter from a purely, like, parenthetical like situation like he's he's going to be affected by what happens so i am worried about him but and i I, his little ominous like debts have to be paid statement makes me think he has a lot more to do with this than like he's letting on i almost like need to go back and reread the context of that because i don't understand i almost don't understand like why he said that the way he yeah Yeah, exactly. It's I'm weird. At my it's very ominous. Now. I sit and wait for tomorrow. This is starting to make more sense now. I guess why? all debts do need to be paid. That's my question. Like, why? Why is he? We saying are that? literally halfway through the story, so it could right. just be a like a, a cliffhanger. You know, all of these were written on no sleep. We do need to remember the context for which that the person was writing them. You know, he could just be putting That's a cliffhanger true. in there to, to keep people coming back. But, like, it's yeah. a it's a very oblique sentence. It is It stands out, like, uh, all debts do need to be paid. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I wonder what the debt is, who, who it's to, what it, like, I, I just, I have a lot of questions. We have many questions here on many Lots questions. of Pasta, episode no 175. Hopefully, Lots of Pasta, episode 176, will have many answers. Hell yeah. Uh, this has been Captain Death and Cannibal Siren. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna come back and we're gonna we're gonna fuck this goat man, whether he Hell likes yeah. it, whether he likes it or not, and if he's a body snatcher, I'm gonna I'm gonna go up his snatch. <laughs> I was about to be like, I'll body his snatch. I'll I'll snatch I'll snatch up his body. Tell you what. Anyway, we haven't done a single like shitty com- uh, Canadian accent the entire time. I'm a Fuck, little pr- I'm, I'm a so little bad proud at Canadian of us. accents. We'll, oh, we'll try I just, again. I just feel like uh, oh oh you never you never know like what you're what you're gonna oh, run you're into up there ports, aren't you, up bro? there in the uh, in the wilderness there uh, eh um you know there. I say I say the bad guy this entire time is a moose. <laughs> he's a, the reason he smells like rotting flesh is because he's got moose skin on his proper skin. It's just a moose trying to be a person, though. <laughs> I say they always had feelings, you know. <laughs> Perfect. Away to the days and when the moon is Atlanta till we stand at the shore. At the shore.